Well, let's welcome back Coach Tresky. Coach, do you have team updates for us? Uh, yeah, our, our, our team update is we're, we're coming off a, a really great win. Uh, senior day for our guys um, from Concordia, Chicago. Um, you know, now that the, the focus has shifted on, you know, how do we finish our last two weeks strong together? Um, obviously, this is a, a special week for us. It's the Luther Cup, so big rivalry game. Uh, always an emotional game between the two teams, and um, we're excited. It's going to be a fun Saturday. Well, let's talk about this last Saturday. Decisive victory for your guys. What did you think of the victory itself? I was really proud of our defense. I thought, you know, it's another step forward. They did a great job with the exception of one drive. and It was penalties, really, that hurt us on that drive. Like, they played lights-out football. Um, you know, our perimeter blocking was really good. You know, so we set the tone on the edges, um, which was nice. Um, so I was really pleased with, with how we played. Honestly, it was a... It was a really good growth opportunity for us because it was a game where I felt like um, we still had more, you know, and some of it was just the lack of focus. You know, we had, I think it was one of our more highly penalized games. Um, but when, when you do that and you can still have success, that's a sign of, of, of where our program's at. And so um, on one hand, you know, there's some things I want to I improve upon, but on the other hand, it's kind of a look how far we've come um, type day for us and, Really proud of the seniors, especially. They just they fully committed themselves to get to to what we're about as a team, um, and to leading our young our young guys. And it's been fun to see. Yeah, one thing I have noticed in in particular about these last four weeks is that it seems like if the offense is struggling, your defense really steps up. And if the defense is not having a great day, your offense is stepping up. It, it, it looks like everybody's picking up each other. Is that kind of the sense that you get as well? It definitely feels that way um, on, on Saturday, which is which is cool that you know to know that you you can have the guy across from you or on the other side of the ball, you know, pick you up and, and trust you. Um, it shows the confidence that guys have in each other as well. You know, a lot of times teams. Yeah, you know, I was just talking about this with another coach. He was saying it's it's really difficult because if our offense is having a bad day, our defense starts to play outside of themselves and, and tries to do things that they can't do, and so now we both have a bad day. And so for us to be able to do that, um, like you said, these last four weeks has, has shown uh, a lot of maturity and growth and, and also just a lot of trust in each other. Now, uh, the, uh, the previous two weeks, it, it looked like the offense took a, you know two, three series to kind of get them their feet wet and get on into this game. You guys got off to a great start this last week. How did you tribute – the success early on in the contest for you? Um, I, I think, you know, early on, it, it took us a couple series in, in the previous two games to establish the run game, um, just to get used to the speed and the fits. And I, I felt like we did a much better job uh, coming out and, and fitting, you know, what they do well. Concordia Chicago has a really, really good defensive line. Um, it's one of the best in our league. And so, I think there was a sense of urgency that we have to be ready for what they do and how they play um, that, that helped us. And I think the other thing is, you know, we're getting the ball out of our hand faster um, in the past game, and, and we're, we're showing some physicality in, in the screen game. So all those things kind of add up to a really difficult way to defend you. you. You have to start playing us more aggressively, and that leaves open opportunities for, for gash plays. The combination of, of Javier and Nate looks like they are really clicking on the same wavelength with one another. I mean, I'm kind of watching these guys. Are you expecting a huge final two weeks between the two? 
Uh, I mean, I think at any time, Javi could bust loose and, and make a big play. That's one thing he's he's shown. He's a very he's a very explosive player. Um, just plays so hard. And Nate's been a great decision maker for us. You know, he's he's three games in now, um, and, and and he he really has shown like he can grow and take coaching and uh, pick up what we're doing. So, you know, him being able to get the ball out into into the hands of guys like Javi quickly um, has definitely helped our offense a lot. And gets me excited to see how we'll finish these last two weeks. We we play two good teams. Um, both will be very good tests and. Um, I think we'll we'll be emotionally ready for the test. We just got to play hard for four quarters now. Your players of the of the game. Uh, well, you mentioned Javi. Javi was our offensive player of the game. Um, you know, had had two touchdowns, two long touchdowns. Had another one that was called back. Just did some really good things. Uh, once we got the ball in his hands, uh, but I also want to mention like that never happens without you know, the teammates around, them, you know, our, our O-line did a nice job. Um, you know, I think Eddie Kubas in particular, you know, he had a really tough task. Some of the, like I said, some of the best D-linemen that we, we've seen all year, and he really just dug in, held his own, um, and the, the perimeter guys blocked for Javi and the screens really well. Um, you know, every week we always really lean on, on some of our, our younger guys to give us good looks um, to prepare us, and, um, one guy that's just really helped us a ton was, was Carl Karabinov. He was our Scout D Player of the Week. Um, you know, they did some different unique blitzes, um, some similar ones that we'll see this week too. And he just he does a great job. If there's anything Carl does well, it's come downhill and plays with aggression. Um, it, it helps our guys a lot. Uh, defensively, Lason Handwork was our was our team uh, Player of the Week, but also Conference Defensive Player of the Week. Um, he's another freshman that's really done some some, some special things. Uh, got a second start of the year, um, had 10 tackles, a tackle, or one-and-a-half TFLs. I mean, he's just all over the field, plays physical. And um, the thing that probably a lot of people don't notice, like we asked him to do quite a bit for a freshman. He played um, both linebacker spots and both safety spots throughout the game because of injuries and just didn't drop the, didn't drop the ball one bit. He played really, really well. Um, our scout old player of the week was Trey Thomas. He's one of our, our freshman cues. Trey, Trey can spin it. He does a nice job with the quick game and stuff, but he also showed he could do some some read-run game. Um, that was a huge part of like the game plan for Concordia Chicago. They like to run their QB, um, and, and Trey was really great at, at showing that look. And then your, your last two special teams was, was Nathan Nevat, block punt, um, just phenomenal on, on both kickoff and kickoff return units. He just seems to get better every week. And then Chad Simmons, senior for us, got his first start. Um, some big time hits. Um, it was just a special moment for for Chad. He, he was our Warrior of the Week, um, and I should say, you know, Warrior of the of his career. I mean, he just he's always put in a ton of work for his teammates. Um, he's he's made a, a huge transition. He used to be a quarterback for us, and now he's a linebacker, um, and has embraced that transition and, and has done a nice job. So proud of him and his effort. And uh, it was it's a fun week to see our guys grow. As you mentioned, big rivalry game this week. Even more exciting because both of you guys are on a roll. So tell me some keys for this contest. Well, I think the first key, anytime it's a rivalry game, is is, is just emotion. Like you're you're going to be charged up both sides. There's probably going to be a little bit of talking. You know, we're going to try to do as little of as we can. But you just know how those types of games go. Um, and so, two challenges with emotion. One is is not <clears throat> allowing the emotion to change how you play. 
right? Um, you've got to be present and in the moment. And then I think the other one is being able to match emotion for four quarters. You know, a lot of times teams will ride those momentum waves. I still think back to my first game um, playing, coaching against them here as a head coach. You know, we, we had, that game was filled with momentum shifts. It was a one-point game at the end. They got the better of us. They played a great game and, and finished strong. Um, but both, both sides just kind of rolled this roller coaster of emotion. So we're going to do the best we can as coaches to stay level and grounded um, to help our guys. Cause I, I know they'll be fired up. Um, that's a that's a big one. Um, I think the second the second challenge is, you know, just they're a very senior laden team. Um, so being able to handle you know some of the the, the big game moments, um, the things that you are unexpected. You know, I feel like every every time we play each other, something's going to happen on special teams, or there's going to be a unique thing that a unique formation or something that comes out, and um, just being aware and present and not letting that that rattle you. Um, and then the last one actually isn't like a, a total football one, but just could, could play a role in the game, honestly, is weather. Uh, I was looking at the weather, and right now they're forecasting wind gusts from anywhere to 25 to 50 miles an hour. Um, so definitely could change, you know, how some of the game is played. And um, there's some strategy in that and some, some unique things that might come along with that. So When you have that kind of weather conditions, it seems like coaches are – a little more apprehensive about the kicking game and how to approach that. So, uh, do you do you have without giving it away? Do you have a strategy yourself that you employ under those kind of conditions? Well, you definitely have to factor it in. I mean, and, and you got to prepare yourself for what that could mean. Um, it's 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 always different. I think when you're when you're talking about rain or snow, you know, that's one thing. That's pretty uniform. Um, but when you talk about wind. That now dictates the game in a different way. Um, you know, I'll give the Eureka game as an example. It was a pretty windy night, not quite as windy as they're forecasting for, for this one, but in the Eureka game, um, that wind was like a north-south wind. So on one side, you had a distinct wind advantage, and on the other, a, a distinct wind disadvantage. It sounds like that will be similar to what we'll experience this week. And so you've got to be very strategic um, in how you handle special teams, um, how you call an offense or a defense, um, those are some things that you got to factor in, and we'll definitely kind of gauging throughout the throughout that day. Um, the fortunate thing for us, I think we got great kickers and punters. Um, you know, Arnufo, he when we were at the Eureka game, I mean, he could hit forty to forty-five on both sides into the win. So um, that's a huge weapon from a scoring perspective. And then, you know, I think we use a lot of unique kicks and kickoffs. Um, so. While you might not be able to have an, a, like a typical deep kick in, in that type of wind, we use some different sky kicks and squibs and some unique stuff that way. So, yeah, Should be you got to get in your bag a little bit. <laughs> well, let's jump into some fan questions this week. We'll start with Ethan. He says, Justin Parv has shown a lot of flashes of brilliance in, the, uh, in previous seasons, but this season he is absolutely ridiculous. Why do you think he's having so much success now? Uh, well, the first reason, honestly, is just that he works incredibly hard at his craft. Um, if you talk to the guys, like, there are a few, few guys on our team that would, would say that they could match his off-season preparation. He just, he, he pushes himself to the max. Um, he's become a different athlete. We were watching through the last year's Concordia game and the previous, um, and 
he's just a dramatically different player because of the work he put in the offseason. I think the other thing is his, is his football IQ. He, I mean, he's a future coach. He's, he's going to coach, and, it, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. The game has really slowed down for him. Um, he's always been a savvy football player, um, but now, you know, within our offense and within the schemes that we're seeing and stuff like that, Justin, he, he's he's about as, as knowledgeable as anyone um, on the field. And so I think you see him understand how to set things up, understand how to put himself in, in good position. It's it's put him almost in an unfair position here. We were joking. He he had like an assignment error one time, one time right, at, at Eureka, and it was like, What's going? You know, we're, all the coaches are like, how did he do that wrong? You know, because he's we're so used to Justin just being on point. Um, so it, it's a credit to him and his work ethic. I I've really enjoyed coaching him and, and seeing him grow. Jeremiah says you had such a successful recruiting season last year, and he was surprised that you and I haven't talked about that this year yet. But he would like to know how are you feeling about the 2023 class, and do you expect a number close to 50 or even beyond again this year? Um, so I, I, I'm feeling good. We've had a really good initial feedback and response. You know, we're, we're getting close to that, that phase in our season where it really ratchets up, obviously, as the season comes to a close. Um, I definitely, you know, I don't want to be at that 50-plus mark back-to-back years. I think for where we were as a program, that was appropriate. That's what we needed. Um, at this point, you know, it's really about you know, having a strong, healthy roster number and filling the needs of our, our program. And that's a good place to be. I think, you know, when I first got brought on, um, we were definitely thin in terms of numbers. And, and that was something that was a huge point of emphasis uh, for our program. And, you know, our, our staff, I, I love those guys. They work so hard. Recruiting is, is, uh, is tough. Um, you hear no thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And so to, to keep grinding the way they have and do what they've done, I'm really proud of them. And um, I'm, I'm just excited to see, you know, how, how things continue to move. One thing that's been pretty cool, you know, is we, we've started to build a pretty strong team culture. And when you do that, you, you find that some of your best recruiters are your own players. And so you're starting to get more guys refer, you know, high school teammates or friends of family. Um, you'll see guys, you know, hey, coach, I want to sit down with someone, you know, that when they come on a visit and just explain what it's like to be here and how much we like it and stuff. So um, our guys have taken a more active role, and um, that's definitely helpful and gets me excited because that helps you create and, and sustain the culture that you're building. Mike says, Coach, I'm surprised no one asked you about this a couple of weeks ago, but did you have any more special enjoyment out of beating a team that called themselves Red Devils? <laughs> Uh, slightly, yes. <laughs> Honestly, I'll, I'll just say this. I've always thought it weird that, like, who who wants to be the devil? I don't, like, no matter where you're at in your faith life, like, that's a, that's a pretty odd thing um, to, to want to be as a, as a school mascot, and it's, it's fairly prevalent. So, I don't know, yeah, it, I will say um, I respect Coach Barth. He's a man of character. He does a great job. But, yeah, when, you're, when you can beat the devils, it's a good thing. Next up is Tom, who says, Michigan and Michigan State had quite the brawl after their contest last week. Have you ever been in a situation like that, and how do you avoid players getting in conflicts like that? Um, unfortunately, I, I, I've been in one. Um, I was in the booth at the time, so my band, I, I had no ability to change it. It was actually a very helpless feeling. Um, 
it was through a handshake line. I won't mention the teams involved or anything like that, but, um, you know, all of a sudden in the handshake line, we, we were in the booth, we're packing everything up, and someone said something to somebody, and the shove happened, and the dangerous thing when you have the teams, you know, going together is all of a sudden everybody has the ability to try to jump in and protect their guy. And before you knew it, it was just like this mass melee and, um, you know, one of our coaches was trying to break it up, got punched in the face. Like it was just, <clears throat> it was ugly. And the, the, re the repercussions of that obviously it changes, you know, how you handle post game, but it also, um, you know, we suspended multiple players. I mean, you could see it right on the live stream. You know, you were involved. You, you were not defending yourself. You were seeking out, you know, um, conflict. And we, we had to suspend quite a few players and, and put our, our team in a bad position. And uh, it was just a bad moment. You know, what we've been trying to combat that. Um, one thing that we, we really do believe is, is that, you know, we want to honor our opponent. Um, those guys across from us make us better. You know, I'm, putting in crazy amounts of work with my team and my coaching staff to try to be our best for a Saturday against whoever we're playing, right? This week it's going to be Concordia, Wisconsin. And so after the game, we've tried to, to institute a tradition where we come together and we pray with, with the other team. Um, we, we always leave it up to them. You know, it's not you know, a requirement, but we always offer it because we just want them to know, like, you know, the idea of, like, iron sharpening iron or you know, your brother making you better it's true even when you're across the field from each other. And um, we want to honor those guys and the work that they put in, too, and, and show them that respect that they deserve. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing, and we're all trying to be the best we can be for our team and our brothers. And when we put the pads away someday, you know, we, we, it's more important we take those lessons away of how to respect one another and um, how to really truly show love to each other. I like that. Miguel says, Coach, give us your expert analysis from a coach's point of view. What is wrong with the Packers? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, besides personnel, so we'll say, like, everyone could say, well, they need more receivers and stuff. I, it just seems like um, they're, they're struggling to get, like, their playmakers the ball. Like, Aaron Jones needs to touch the ball way more than he does in different ways. And I, I think like if you're, if you're, I've been on a team like this before where our receiving group was inexperienced, but we had two really good running backs. And what I learned from that is that you never want to leave one of your best players on the sideline to play one of your other best players. You got to find a way to put them both on the field. So if they really believe in Dylan and Jones being, you know, electric form, um, my recommendation, and this is just a, a D3 coach's mind, is to find ways for them both to be on the field at the same time. So that's my Good observation. Yeah, thanks. I, like I learned that. from my own mistakes. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, Eric says there does not seem to be a lot of talk about this anymore, but does that mean that CTE and concussions are not as serious as they were in previous seasons? Uh, you know, it's always a serious issue. Um, so you, you always want to address it that way. I, I think a couple of things have happened. I think, I think the game at the higher levels, um, you know, when I'm talking like NCAA, NAIA and NFL levels, when their administration, the way we practice now, um, the protocols that are in place, the teaching methods that have been in place, you know, USA football, for example, has done a really good job with their heads up program. There's been a lot of things, um, to help prevent 
um, do more preventative measure, measures on concussions. So that's been good. I think there's earlier diagnosis. Like our training staff's phenomenal. Um, and we just don't, you don't mess around with concussion symptoms anymore. You always err on the side of caution. Whereas I think in the past it was like, ah, you know, did you really, you know, did you just got your bell rung kind of mentality, you know, in, in maybe the, the 90s and, and earlier. And so um, those policies and stuff have really helped. But it is still an issue. I mean, we've had a few guys on our team this year that have had concussions, unfortunately. And you'd be surprised. A lot of times it's not even getting hit helmet to helmet like we envision. It's, it's like getting collisioned and your head hitting the ground, almost like a whiplash effect. And those are the ones that we found are – that I think are tougher um, and you don't really think about it as a casual fan, but we've been very fortunate. We've been a part of a concussion study here for years and years. And um, they, the same data that they use for the NFL and the NCAA and um, it's, it's been good. It's been helpful, I think, to guide policy. And I think it also has shed some light that uh, concussions are an issue in, in football for sure, but they're in, you know, women's soccer, men's soccer and women's uh, and basketballs like, are at the same or some of them are higher rates of concussion than football, which is crazy. So um, it's, it's an issue you got to definitely address. Gregory would like to know, when you underwent your faith transformation, how did this change the things you did regularly? What he means is to say, did you stop watching certain shows or listening to certain types of music? Did you find that your lifestyle changed drastically in comparison? Um, I think over time, yeah. So, I would say, like, there's a difference. I think God, God like, refines you, right? So, you, you know, you can be, you can have salvation, right? You can recognize that Christ is your Savior, and you can give your life over to him. And then there's going to be this process of refining. And what that means is a lot of times God, God will reveal to you kind of in your spirit, like, eh, are you sure you want to continue doing things this way, right? And, and um, it's not always overt. Sometimes it's more subtle, but, like, you start to pick up on things like, man, like, I just don't know if I can listen to this music, right? Like, this is, like, what am I pouring into myself? I'll be reading my Bible in the morning, and then I'll drive to work listening to something that totally contradicts it, right? Or um, same thing when you're watching Netflix, you know, I've definitely binged and watched some Netflix before in my life, you know, and all of a sudden you realize, like, ah, what am I really watching here? Is, is what I'm doing feeding my spirit the same way that, that I, I want it to? And um, so for me, it was, it was definitely something that happened over time, and I'm still in a process of, of refinement uh, always, you know. And, um, so that, that would be my experience, and, and the experience I've, I've heard from a lot of other believers is pretty similar. Next up is Dan who says, you talked about this in the last week's show about the challenges of maintaining your faith at some colleges and universities. Would you recommend that parents steer their kids away from party colleges or ones where you know professors seem anti-Christian, even if the program available for your child is beneficial? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, this is a, definitely a parental preference. Um, you know, to me, like for my, for my boys, like I think, their faith, their character, um, the way that they show love for other people um, and understand how they are loved, like those things always have to trump everything, right? So, you know, for my boys, I want them to know those things and be grounded in those things more than the programs that they're going to study, the careers they're going to go after, because all those things change. You know, I, 
I remember going to college. I thought I was going to be a teacher. And then quickly it, it morphed into business, then communication. And then God was like, nope, you're going to be a coach and you're going to do counseling and you're going to do, you know, so like what you do will change who you are should not. And because who you are should be grounded in who God says you are. And, and so if you're at a place that's going to compromise that, that's risky to me. That, that now requires your, your son or your daughter to be in a, in a much stronger position where they can withstand those things. Now, that's not to say that we can't go and be in the world, but God calls us not to be of the world. And so you got to make sure that your son or daughter is in a really firm place or has, has resources where they can continue to grow in that part of who they are um, or, you know, Research will show, like we talked last time, research will show that, like, time and time again, it, they're going to be fighting upstream and are going to really, really struggle um, to, to understand that part of who they are. So my biggest, my biggest thing that I loved about being at WLC, you know, I didn't come here and all of a sudden the switch went on and, hey, I'm a Christian now. But what did happen at a place like this, and I think many others like us, is that it forced me to start asking life's hard questions. And that was something that, like, if you're not at the right place, you might not ever ask those questions, so you'll never get an answer, you know? Lisa says, I love your inspirational thoughts you share with the team each week. What I would like to know is what inspires you or what leads you to those individual thoughts, and what do you draw upon? It's, uh, it's different every week. I think the first thing is just um, – you know, through prayer life, devotion, you know, I, I try to read the Word every morning. I listen to sermons throughout the week, um, obviously on Sunday too. So sometimes those things inspire. Um, the others, I, I always just try to reflect on kind of where we're at as a team, you know, the pulse of our, our team mindset, um, and try to think about um, those things. You know, because we always say football is a laboratory for life. So, like, what we're experiencing in fo through football um, is definitely going to shape, you know, how we handle similar situations in life. So that, that's usually been a big one is, you know, I wonder what the Bible has to say about handling something like this um, and how that would help us in our day-to-day -day lives. And the other, the other one um, is just my wife. She's amazing. Um, and, and we have, you know, faith conversations. Or we'll share um, the word together. Or we're involved in some ministry stuff. So sometimes um, they're inspired by stuff that, that, that I learned from her. So Excellent. Uh, next up is Bethany, who would like to know, if Jesus suddenly appeared in front of you, what three questions would you ask him? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so good. I, I would be just uh, in awe, first and foremost. Um, I think, like, the, the first question I, I would want to ask is just, like, It sounds it sounds weird, but like why me, right? Like why? I think sometimes we have a why me mindset when we think of bad things happening to us. Um, but when you think that that Jesus died for for us um, to absolve us of our sins, not only in the past, but what we will do, that He loves us so so much that way. Um, it just it blows my mind. I think I I, I had I've, I've always joked about this one. Like I want to know what's the story with dreams. So I want to, like, I, I've had some unique dreams in my life. Sometimes they've actually kind of been, like, I don't know if you want to call them deja vu or prophetic or whatever, but I've had some unique dreams before. So I would just, 
I want to know, like, what's the story of dreams? Like, what, what is the experience that, like, what, what's the, the reasoning behind it and some of those things? Um, I think the last question I don't know. I, I really think I'd probably, more than anything, Rob, if I'm being honest, I'd probably be speechless. I would, I would just be, in, like, in awe that he came uh, to be with me, you know, and to spend that time with me. I think it's one of those things that you have a million questions in your mind, and then he's standing in front of you, and you're like, you can't think of a single thing. It's at that point. Yeah. So. It's like stammering. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> So this answer might be different with the weather this week from what you're telling me, but Henry would like to know, what is Coach Tresky's field goal range? <laughs> My field goal range is, is actually Tega and Tony's field goal range. It's based on how they're kicking and feeling um, every Saturday. And it varies each Saturday. So I'm, I'll, I'll tell you first that Coach Fossum, our online coach, has, he's done just a phenomenal job um, helping coach up our kicking game. Um, he's really taken that upon himself to be, become, uh, you know, as best an expert as he can in the field. Um, he's doing a great job. Um, we've also been very fortunate. We've we've learned a lot as well. There's a, a, a gentleman by the name of Gary Zauner, um, and Gary was an NFL special teams coach for a long, long time. Um, he now has kind of retired from that phase to, to help his his, uh, his family. He, he takes care of his dad. Um, his dad's got some health problems. But he still trains guys. So he's training, like, you know, NFL guys and NFL prospects all throughout the offseason. Well, just God's blessing to us is he's from Milwaukee, and he trains the guys at our field in summer times. So he's been able to give us some consulting and stuff like that and helped us a lot. And so um, Mike has become, you know, a really, really good kicking coach because of some of the stuff he's learned from Gary. And so each week it, it's going to be a little different. Last week, uh, you know, to the south end zone, I know our, our new folk could from, hit from about 45 or so. So you're saying anywhere from the 30-ish to the 35 we've, we felt like was his max. Uh, but going the other way, the wind pushed a little bit different. So you're looking at the 20 to the 25. So, um, yeah, we, we get a different range each time, but it's all because of those guys and, and Coach Fossum just doing an amazing job. And what are the words of wisdom for this week? Uh, the words of wisdom are, are, are very simple. So we, we were talking this week about, um, you know, we, we've, we've had a nice run, three, three weeks in a row of, of success, and we're excited about those things. Um, but with success can also come pride. And so um, we want to make sure that we're staying humble and recognizing the, the blessings that we've been given um, and that those blessings, are they, they can be temporary. So we have to make sure we, we acknowledge where they come from. And um, the, the, the verse we went through this week was kind of twofold, right? The difference between pride and love. So Proverbs 16 tells us pride goes before destruction, a haughty or prideful spirit before a fall. And so that if, if we want to avoid that, right, we need to stay humble. We need to, to, to remind ourselves of what got us here in the first place. And then we contrasted that this week with love, right? So we can operate out of pride or we can operate out of love. And what we learn about love in, in 1 Corinthians 13 is um, love is, is, is patient, it's kind, it's, it's, it does not envy, it does not boast, but what it then says is it is not proud, right? And what does it mean to, to be proud? Well, in the next verse it says it doesn't dishonor, dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrong. So... 
we're learning that pride can, can be a, a, a symptom where you start to see people point the finger, play the blame game, can play the comparison game, and, and we're not going to do any of that. We're, we're going to do everything we can to be rooted in love, to show love to each other, to, to find ways to do for other people. Um, and I'm really confident if we do that, obviously we'll have a, a great Saturday, but more importantly, we'll, we'll be ready to, to live out what he's calling us to do um, Monday through, through Sunday. Fantastic. Coach, thanks for joining us this week. Thank you so much, Rob.